All right, so we are here with Bill West of Grady Ranch in Wiggum, Georgia. And Bill, can you tell us about the history of Grady Ranch? And I mean, beginning to end, tell me your story. I, I want these yeah. profiles to allow people to see the face behind their food and, and you who's making it all happen. So tell me the journey and what have been your favorite parts? Well, the journey as far as the grass fed uh, would go back as far back as my father. Um, I'm 68. I grew up on a dairy farm and my father was a cattle farmer and also loved beef cattle also. But um, he um, started us working with cattle from when I don't remember before I was young enough to probably not even remember being with the cows and working with cattle and growing up on that dairy. We still, my, uh, one of my brother-in-laws and I started a dairy here at Grady Ranch in uh, about 1976 on there. My father, um, bought this place while actually I was in high school on there. This is not part of the original West Haven, which is where I grew up. I'm Bill West. The um, This was in Grady County, and they named it Grady Ranch, and that's how it got its name. It wasn't anything very exotic about that. Bob and I uh, operated a rotational grazing dairy, and starting at that time, we using uh, grazing uh, as our main uh, feed commodity and then used uh, mixed, uh, the regular feed in the barn. Back then, they fed in the barn as, you, uh, as our supplemental feed. And then they would go out and grazing. Um, we kept expanding the dairy over the years and continued the rotational grazing part. Um, we didn't really know we were a rotational grazing dairy. That wasn't even a term used at the time. We, um, just did it because that was an easy way for milk production and a cheap way of feed. Uh, while we were in the dairy business, uh, half the dairy animals, of course, are steers, are, are bulls when they're born. Over the years, we tried to come up with ways to use the dairy animals. And as we would raise or use these steers rather than just sell them as bull cash, the, we started, um, raising them as steers and when the uh, grass-fed market became viable and people started asking for grass-fed in this area we started selling these steers into instead of just a normal take them to the market and sell them um, we started getting inquiries about buying them as grass-fed steers and they were going to the to a wholesale market and, uh, and i couldn't even tell you what name brands they went and they sold in um, in 2012, or by that time, milking 500 cows was such a small dairy, it was no longer viable as a dairy industry went. And um, so we closed the dairy at the exact same time when we were selling that. We bought an Angus herd of cattle, about 200 uh, purebred Angus cattle, and started basically a cow-calf operation, but kept the rotational grazing since that was the ex expertise that we had. And, um, and then since we did it enough years, we could practice with taste. And, and then over the last uh, three years, well, what we, one of the two of the things we uh, really worked on was taste. And of course the other was production. And we had to go from being a uh, um, year round breeding rather than seasonal breeding because if we were going to sell meat to the public, we needed it fresh year round. 
So we had to evolve that into a year-round breeding. And we've increased that, uh, the, the bee cow herd quite a bit in that length of time because uh, a couple of hundred bee cows is not that many cows compared to milking 200 cows on there. And we backed out of row crop farming. We've always, we grew peanuts, soybean, cotton, same thing that anybody else does in this area, hay. Um, as a, we were row crop farmers also along with the dairy. The, um, um, we, as we backed out of the row crop, we started increasing the uh, dairy herd and started turning more of our cultivated fields into pastures and using that. But we, uh, winter grazing seems to be our easiest as far as production and taste in South Georgia because of our heat, humidity. But the University of Florida developed uh, perennial peanuts as a basically South Georgia, North Florida's alfalfa is production that. And it's a warm season grass in this area. So as we did that, um, and we found out that basically our summer grazing, especially on the steers in the last three months of, of um, finishing, if they're either on ryegrass or perennial peanuts, we have a pretty good tasting product at that time. And we're able to, as long as we keep them on those two, and especially the last 12 months, uh, really make sure that, that particular group of steers at that age group from about um, 14 months old to 24 to 28 months old are on our best grazing and don't have to work very hard at it. They have a decent marbling. And that's basically how we came about uh, working on taste uh, in that area. And but that's how we got into the grass-fed market of it. In the last three years, it's uh, we've steadily doubled what we were doing every year, and then this year we almost couldn't supply it uh, because of that um, uh, COVID and the um, big increase in the uh, demand for grass-fed beef, especially if it's um, a decent and tasting grass-fed. I love that you guys talk about the old way of doing things. You know, it's it's not. I, I, Carrie, our executive director, talks about that all the time. You know, regenerative ag isn't something that's brand new that, and the, the way it's being almost pushed today and it, it's getting back to the old way of doing things and the way it's always been done to regenerate mm -hmm. the land. So um, I love this. Uh, it, coming out of the dairy industry, it gave us, when we didn't get a proper amount of grazing done in a particular day, we didn't have milk in the tank the next morning. Nor they, you can't go a 12 or 14 hour period in dairy industry that you don't keep a consistent uh, nutritional need of that animal fed of our operation of grass fed. We don't do any other um, feeding or any other type of feeding out. We're trying to make it as simple as possible and keep um, operating as far as uh, the grass fed. Where the grass fed market took off in this area, started picking up, like I said, a about five years ago, a little bit of interest. By three years ago, quite a bit of interest. And then um, in the last two years is when it just really got hot. Um, people got more interested in um, health, food, um, local grown. is big part of the same thing as far as grass fed would be local grown also. The local vegetable farmers, uh, fruit. Um, 
the growing, even citrus industry in our area, all these things are at, at local grown, local farmers and our local farmers market here that we're a co-op in uh, member of, is, which is a Tallahassee um, in Tallahassee, Florida, um, um, farmers market co-op. The growth in the last few years has been nothing compared to 2020. 2020 has just been, it took us totally unexpected the demand for it. And um, what would, uh, we have uh, to be careful to not overpromise uh, what we can do and what we can supply because we're trying to keep our supply at a high quality. And um, so if I got something I really don't, that I wouldn't want to take, bring home myself, I will take him and go to the normal local uh, sale barn with him on there. The, um, now, what have, but, you, what have you seen, how have consumers responded to COVID? And it, it specifically referring to your meat, you know, it, what, it, what has been what they've taken from what, this experience? Oh, well, you couldn't buy a freezer. And I don't think you can hardly buy one now, just a normal freezer. If, and there was the reason for that, just so many people wanted to fill up their freezers. It was part of that same hoarding thing, I think. That was the one when they suddenly started buying a lot of it. Um, the way we've grown what we've sold, with our main advertisement to start with, we did uh, a lot of cooking demonstrations. Uh, my wife did a lot of um, educational cooking. Uh, we gave, we would uh, do um, just cooking everything from uh, slightly aging uh, New York strips in our refrigerator and then cooking it and serving it and showing proper ways to using grass-fed meat, especially as we learn to do it better and better ourselves. Our customers, our customers themselves over the last three years have been our main marketing. Our customers that we have would bring back other people said, you got to try this. It's great. And um, so since COVID started, what we did, we just give away raw meat. We just give away packages of ground beef and say, and uh, go home and try it. And it was really kind of cheating because they'd come back and say, well, okay, you got me hooked. And, um, but younger people did, uh, never cooked the pot roast or, you know, like a chuck roast or a shoulder. Uh, we did demonstrations for that. It takes a lot of work and a lot of meeting customers, um, a lot of uh, listening to customers. What is it that they want? And um, that type of market. And it's being an old redneck that's been just working on the farm. That's not something that I was used to doing, but I actually got where I kind of enjoyed it. I enjoy meeting these people. Um, Bobby enjoys meeting them and especially likes uh, working with the restaurants. Um, my wife enjoys teaching with the, uh, um, doing uh, recipes and teaching recipes. And um, when, you know, somebody walks up, hi, I want to try this, how do I do it? And uh, we'll either refer them to the rest website, but she'll, they'll still sit down and they can call her at any time. She'll get calls while they're in, the re in their kitchen cooking and, Renee, how do I do this? Or what did I do wrong here? Um, the uh, Catherine uh, keeps up on the website what we got that week. Uh, that's again, that's my niece-in-law, uh, Catherine Holden, and uh, posts what we have. And we kind of, we actually to the point now that 
like if it's a smaller steer that we from a heifers that week and we have small ribeyes, we know what customers like the small ribeyes. We know what customers like the larger ones. Um, things like that. You've got to really um, learn your customers. What is it they want? They, you get them in there as grass fed because they want to be healthy, and then you try to keep um, your customers satisfied for all these other reasons too. You know that they liked it. They can know they can call and ask you questions. Um, no, I mean to be able to cook yeah. during dinner and be able to while someone's cooking dinner and and have them fill you in on how to cook your beef. That's that's unmatched. You can you can't find that anywhere else for, except from your from America's small family farmers. And that's what's really beautiful to see from you guys is how you know inwoven you guys are in the community through through your involvement in 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 the restaurants and, and people you know through your involvement in teaching the community how to cook. Um, and I, I really like how you talk about having a lot of attention given to the taste of the meat. That's something I haven't heard a lot of people discuss and that you've manipulated it right through feeding them different grasses and, and finishing them different ways with, with, with uh, different types of grasses. How has that process been of you experimenting with different tastes and different grasses? In the dairy industry, you ran into what they call all flavored milk. If you have some of your brackuses, uh, are you know your turnips especially if you get some wild turnips but there are other plants some milkweeds and other things you have to watch out for that would change the flavor of the milk well that's also true with meat you have to uh, watch out for those sort of things so you might have a something that does a really good job in uh production but you really don't want your steer eating it the last especially the last three to five months of his life because that's when it's really picking up that flavor and that flavor gets into the fat. And once that fat flavor's in the fat, uh, it's going to be picked up by the customer from there. It's easy for me to see and, that you're, this is not something that you just push out a product. I mean, you, you are an artist. You have quite an understanding of, of every single aspect of, of how you can affect your product. In the fine, I mean, it, it's like talking to somebody producing fine art in New York or a chef from a five-star restaurant. You, it's, incredible um yeah I, i've had a good time talking to uh, five-star restaurant chefs so they are some of them they can't afford to buy it for the uh, as a you know like for the restaurant but we have a lot of chefs that take it home and um but um david Gwynn is one of the um, is a chef there in tallahassee that owns three restaurants and david uses some of our meat but david was just great in uh when we would uh try different cuts of meat and what fats and where and we'd run it to david and david would come back with this long dissertation of how it felt on the back of his throat like he was doing a fine wine and uh you know i'd kind of scratch my head and then finally say well david did you like it or not <laughs> you know? so i know you're you're one of our certified members here at american grassfoot association which is why we have you on and it, you proudly display this label on your beef why is that label important if you're in the shoes of a consumer? We would actually we promote that very much, but even for uh, other people that are not buying from us, uh, we promote, make sure that whoever you're buying from has a third party audit. Uh, make sure that you can go visit that farm. Uh, if they just use a term like all natural, uh, 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 mostly organic, uh, 
Well, we grass fed it, and then they'll have a little bitty wording in, in grain finish. We even uh, have noticed on other ones, they'll say, we use American grass fed uh, um, practices, but they're not grass fed certified. You know, but we use those, uh, we use those, uh, we use this as our guideline. But uh, we've been at it enough now to know that, you know, people will, use any term that they possibly can to make a sale. And um, they, um, so uh, not only American grass fed, but even if they are somebody saying they're organic, they're this, that, and the other, talk to those people. I can tell you, if I can talk to that person, I can tell you in two minutes, if he's really doing a grass fed operation or not, uh, because of what I'm doing. I can, um, but, I'm sure if I went to somebody else that was growing uh, organic uh, mushrooms or tomatoes, for that matter, they might get fool me, but somebody else doing it, they can't. Uh, you know, if they're, uh, somebody has done all those certifications. So you should be, they should be able to, if somebody is truly following all these American grass-fed um, standards, they have all American grass-fed records that you require that you are working with your county agent, your local uh, um, veterinarian under those guidelines. They, um, and, but if they weren't certified in these things and they don't want to take the trouble to do that, I would be really questioning, are they really taking the trouble to do what they say they're doing? And, um, but uh, it doesn't matter what the product is that our customers are buying because we, all the other things are not, and I just encourage all the time, go meet them. If they should invite you to come see, they should be proud of what they're doing. They should want to show you. Um, and that's a big part of what, you know, we're reading in the grass fed website and uh, going with the, um, you know, that American grass fed seems to promote also. And that's what I really like about it. They, uh, the American grass fed promotes a relationship between the uh, local farmer and their customers. That's beautifully said. I mean, and that's exactly what AGA is here to do. And that's why it's important if you're a farmer, because as you've said, like it holds weight. It is a respectable certification. And, and with that, if you're a farmer, consumers respect that. And, and we do, do do the work to, to link the local consumers with their local producers. And I, I think it couldn't be said more beautifully than that. All this being said about your amazing product, I think there's one question left and that's, you know, I, I mean, I know you said we can get it at some markets and some restaurants around your area, but ha what are all the ways that people can get your products? I saw that you guys do uh, shipping live animals to local butchers. How far is that range? I mean, who is it? How can we get your products? Who can? About the furthest we've been going with live animals is about 50 miles because, and generally that would be, um, uh, they're buying probably three or four, you know, just to make where the, the trucking, you know, cause I'll do the hauling personally and or Renee, my wife will drive the truck and deliver cows on there. But the, um, but usually, uh, there are three processors close to us are all within about 20 minutes. Um, most people buying locally will, um, use one of those. Um, we sell through what, um, an online thing that's, uh, where it's all picked up in Tallahassee is 
um, Red Hills Online, uh, which is a Tallahassee marketing group that with vegetables and other um, uh, chicken, free-range chicken, eggs, you name it, all types of vegetables. Uh, we are, our main sales is at um, um, a farmer's market on Saturday mornings in Tallahassee. Um, the, it's a, the Tallahassee farmer's market. We sell quite a bit direct from the farm now where people, we give up 10% uh, discount picked up here. We don't have a store as such, but the old dairy farm is now our, where our, used to have a 5,000 gallon milk tank now has a walk-in freezers. And um, we've uh, turned that into basically just a pickup point for people. And uh, especially people that are not buying one or two pounds of hamburger or two steaks, they're coming to buy three or $400 worth of meat at a time. They will drive to the farm direct and pick up. Um, we have um, two um, uh, health food stores that uh, sell our meat and keep it in. And they, they move quite a bit, of, especially ground beef. And they'll call, which basically, you know, I have a customer. One is Albany, uh, Georgia, and one is um, Bainbridge, Georgia, right here by us. Uh, Tallahassee, we sell direct. Our, and going back, little by little, we quit pushing much of this up beyond selling direct to the customer, uh, mainly because uh, that's just the most profitable sale. It's the most, it's the easiest sale to control. It's the easiest sale that you know they got what they wanted. 